This is episode 45 of the Brilliant Podcast. This is an interview I did while I was in Arizona. The interview subject did not want to reveal their name, but anyone who's familiar with, uh, I guess, the Arizona anarchist milieu will know who it is immediately that I'm talking to. The interesting thing about someone hiding their identity during a conversation like this is that, well, I guess there's a variety of interesting things about it, but uh, it's about an hour. I think a lot of people will enjoy it because it has a high gossip per unit time um, metric and, uh, yeah, an enjoyable interview. It's like totally chill. You told me you had an editor just now and I was like... (laughs) (laughs) I mean, mean, what's funny is is you're doing the thing, though, that I'm, I'm not exactly sure that you criticize this thing, but, like, people would criticize you would basically say... You you're just a shit talker, without necessarily like like you're not necessarily willing to talk shit and play it through because and and I say this from personal experience and obviously like no we have some similarities right like when I talk shit about something I then continue to beat up on the thing that I'm talking shit about so that they understand the complete thing whereas what you were doing you didn't actually cite enough examples like like if you were talking about my podcast I could read. Uh, I could say, sort of say, yeah, you're talking about what, what it is that I do, and I agree with you. But in fact, I know that probably what you were talking about were examples that were probably fairly old, because I know that you haven't necessarily been dialed in to some some of the levels and the qualities of, of, of other things, except for the fact that politically, I absolutely agree with what it is that you're saying. So, like, Crime Things Project is to do a podcast for non-anarchists. They want to be convincing to basically a liberal. Well, that's the thing. Theirs is boring to me, too. Yeah, it's really boring. No, no, I, I, I to- that's absolutely true. Yeah. I mean, like, I actually don't even think that they get necessarily the response that they want. And that's partially because this, like, how it is that they think that, that non anarchists <laughs> want to hear something, I think that that's, their calibration is wrong. Like, so many of them think that the, the ones that are coming up, like like Crime Think, for instance, right? Crime Think are utterly locked in a model that comes from the 90s where they had incredible success of punk kids well, yeah, finding their material. They made that model. Right, right. Well, but but they, they took up, op- they saw an opportunity and they absolutely nailed that opportunity. It's not like that anymore. There aren't a, a thousand college-age punk rock kids who are hungry for something else. The, the, internet, no, has, has, the right. internet has given them all the things in the world to consume. The, 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 the targeting that they used to do was because they were part of the same DIY culture yeah. of, the, of the kids that were hungry for something new. That DIY culture doesn't exist anymore. No, it, mar- yeah, it, it made a marginal thing even more ma- marginalized. Yeah. But to, to, to return to your um, uh, your hostility towards anarchist podcasts, what could anarchist podcasts do better? Just effort, editing. Like, I don't, you know... When, when you're saying editing, you're not referring to taking out the pops and, and, the, and the sound quality. You're referring to adding a little zazz. You're adding... You, you, you want there to be a beep-bop-boop-bop. Bop. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I don't think there's anything wrong with a little beep-bop-boop-bop. But also, like, I don't know. It, it You want the model to be performance art rather than NPR. No, even... I, th- I think that's even wrong. Like, a... I think NPR is more interesting than fucking anarchist podcasts. Hmm. Like, for... And, and like, 
I don't know. There's, there's you, got, you got the zinger. Now I need the back end. What's the back end? Uh, the back end, you can tell NPR isn't just putting a microphone in the same room of the discourse that is like locked into a, a like a certain conversation at every time. It's locked in every time. It, like, what's an I, example? Because, uh, for instance, the crime thing podcast is scripted. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like it. It sounds mm-hmm. like they're. It sounds like they're reading. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't That's know. That's what the script means. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think there's a reason that it's difficult to put a finger on what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and that reason is what is not embodied by anarchist podcasts right now. Okay, but and who, like, who does it well? Nobody. Okay. No one. <laughs> I don't think anybody does it well. I think I took a shot at it. Uh-huh. That's what I think. And. Uh, like, and what what worked about what you did? Do you feel like exper- like it felt experimental? Yeah, and like that it had more effort than the conversations I've had for over the past fifteen years in random rooms that you could have put a microphone in and then broadcasted. I don't see a deviation from that formula. Like, I'd, like I like I don't know what that example means to you. I think the thing that you're missing is that there are a lot of people in any town USA who don't get to be in those rooms, like the awesome rooms that you you clearly are, are a part of. All right, what, in what that a- in that case, then I don't think. I, I don't think that those conversations is what of uh, any town like what is what any town USA is going to be interested in. I like it's 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 too plain, and when it deviates from plain, it's too jargon oriented. Not n- plain and jargon oriented, by the way, are not things that I have a problem with necessarily. Mm-hmm. But uh, for me, and when I imagine other people or like uh, invigorated youth or something like that, I've heard of them. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't, I, I don't. And I don't necessarily care about this, but I don't see it being a thing to sink your teeth into. There's no meat to it. Okay. And it might just be something inherent to the format mm-hmm. of like putting out discussion-oriented audio. I mean, by the time in my life when I knew that I had this voice <laughs> that was capable of being soothing into a microphone, <laughs> I stopped being as dangerous as I was as a kid. And, and that's actually the, the part that I think is interesting, that you might have something useful to say to someone like me. How to, how to be dangerous? What does danger mean? Because I, I, I love the idea, the conceptually, the idea of using a microphone to be dangerous. Okay. How, do, how does one do that? I had, this is not an advocation or like saying that I'm going to follow through on this, but I had an idea once that I think exemplifies what I would be going for. And by the time I followed this idea through, I realized it was impossible as an idea and that I should just be myself. But the idea was to do, um, I think I called it, I called it Ned Talks. And it was something, instead of TED, instead of Ted Talks, it was like nihilist existentialism uh-huh. destruction talks or something Despair. along those lines. <laughs> right. I, I can't remember the exact thing. But the idea was, uh, which we did a segment similar on uh, in, in Considerate where we just took a recorder and we went to the fucking mall and we just asked people, you know, shit like, uh, like, if you could kill one person, who would it be and why, you know? And... You know that would be very boring today. By the way, I, I, no, I, uh, it, I for for any town USA, yes, it would. But the uh-huh. anarchist milieu hearing that most people's answer was as superficial as Justin Bieber <laughs> might be a little challenging to the fucking like presumptions that their politics entail. Mm-hmm. Like it might give, uh, like it might be e- exemplifying of how out of touch with any town USA, like uh, you know, the, the, these collegiate. 
fucking assholes are. And that was like that was it. Like Ned talks. The idea I had with that is to run outside and you get on the train and you just have a conversation with the normal person. You just engage them and see what they have to fucking say. Mm-hmm. And and then I realized like, wait, I don't want to be recording that, and I don't want to be a part of that. I was like, that's how I live my life. And so for me, that's why the podcast format inherently yeah. fell out, as 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 would many other anarchist formats of engagement. Uh, you know, with with dialogue and revolutionary politics, even workerism, I think, you know, makes a shallow example of communicating with people, like with the same old fucking like red and black or just red zines. They're trying to you know hand out at fucking demonstrations, like. You're not gonna fucking make a syndicate out of a McDonald's. You don't like. You don't like. Th- th- you know, and the, the fucking anarchist workers that I know, they don't relate to their workplace either. And their workplace thinks they're fucking nerds. <laughs> like I don't. I don't trust these people. I don't know these people, and I don't want to. And that's like that's what I got out of trying to make anarchist podcasts and making engaging and like going out in the world and actually talking to real people and like you know. So you yourself were inspired by someone's creative activity. Somebody's product touched you in your life, and and partially who you are is a story of the of the different creative things that other people did. Can you name a couple of them? Uh, I can't respond to that question without. If I take that question seriously, I would have to be insulted by it. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, no. No, so there I wasn't a band to... that you liked when you were oh sure there years was old. tons I, I also loved er, like nineties crime thing that you were talking about. that was like my first engagement with anarchism as was you know the I suspected the most yeah <laughs> the most notorious like you know early you know the punk bands that you could mention or whatever sure like I loved the way that stuff engaged me uh, you know but one of the main things that I appreciated about those is that they taught me to think for myself which let me. Uh, fill in the blanks of what I thought they were lacking in, in approach. So, I mean, the reason that I that I go there though is because what happens when someone says the line "I think for myself" <laughs> is that, and this is a class thing, right? When middle class people say "I think for myself," what they're doing is they're obscuring <clears throat> the fact that they that there's a history of other people's stuff that they're probably Absolutely. stealing. Sure, yeah. and. And so, so I don't want to get you off the hook. No, no, on that on that point. Um, <clears throat> but I also sort of think that that you know, of course, like I, I I love the idea of digging on crime things some more, and and, and I, I want to sort of avoid that, even though it's my temptation. I, I, um, I guess what's interesting. So, so one of the things I, I like about you and, and and the energy that you have is, as any time I hear you rant about whatever it is that you're fucking ranting about, I know that in your history, you're basically admitting you did this. <laughs> you are guilty of doing this thing, and you're calling yourself out. right? Now, of course, most people are, are so offended by, or you know, shocked or <laughs> terrified by the thing that they're saying that they don't recognize the fact that you're basically saying, I did this thing, and I did it all the way, and... and Fuck! I was stupid, and I'm not that stupid anymore. Uh, I I I disagree with the conclusion. I never left the fuck. I was stupid. 
part of that and said that like no I'm not anymore I never abandoned the former for the last yes and no I, I, no I, definitely no the the thing is I know, when, but I, when you call yourself stupid you're you're really trying to say to other people they're they're even stupider no that we are the same amount of stupid mm-hmm. it's like it's a it's an egalitarian ignorance <laughs> uh, I like to I like to speak of uh, my last foot in in anarchism being that uh, I am for freedom the freedom for everyone to be stupid as fuck and that is the only reconciliation that I have left with anarchism and uh, one of the one of the main reasons for that is when I was an organizer in quotations and I put on things like urban capture the flag once a week and made the middle section of the newspaper with a headline and everything you know for doing that sort of thing it was uh, I would get compliments or praise for doing this they would say they would say like this means so much to me, thank you. And I'd say the same thing back. It's like, no, thank you. This would be nothing without you. And they would find a way to turn that response into further praise. And so for me, I learned I learned really fast, and I think this had to do with the evolution of my disconnect from uh, from more uh, organizational oriented radical politics. My disconnect is that. When you, you know, we suck on the cliche of think for yourself. When you teach someone to think for themselves, they attribute that thought to you. And that, like, escaping that is difficult. And so uh, that was not the premise for me to think I'm smarter than other people, but for me to suspect myself perpetually of when I may or may not be doing that. At least suspect, at the very least. I think that a, a very strong dis, uh, difference that you and I have is that in my life, to the extent to which I've been in, inspirational to, uh, to people coming up with this idea of thinking for themselves, <laughs> usually what they figure out from that is that they hate me. <laughs> Trust me, I've had my fair share. <laughs> well, in fact, I, I would I would probably wager my share is larger than yours. I wouldn't doubt that. Yeah, but you're also more politically oriented. Hmm. Socially. Why do you think that matters? <laughs> you're, I, the, uh, matters. I don't think it matters, but no, no, I think why, it's, why is that? It, it's a difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like, your name is more associated uh, directly with things like literature distribution sure. and, uh, you know... Uh, Positions like info shop running, etc. Uh, I was engaged in that sort of thing earlier, but uh, I've always had more of a social approach, which you know also in it, like uh, as I, as I was mentioning earlier, informed my disconnect. Uh, I spent years, for example, uh, being very concerned about things like people's vocabulary and the words that they used, and uh, oh, like, I, like in the punk rock scene, you would fight the fight. Sure. Let's let's put it that way. <laughs> I, I'm just looking for an example. I would I would tell people not to say certain words like gay, you okay. know, as a pejorative or whatever. And I, I spent a lot of a focus on that. It's not necessarily something I would ever advocate for, but today <laughs> ever. Okay. But uh, okay. but what I learned in trying to navigate that territory of uh, of vocabulary was how easy it was for others to latch onto it and find really stark lines to draw uh, that I don't I don't think socially uh, make sense in the in the in, in the broader sense 
uh, as we were kind of talking about earlier, like the uh, like the friends that I convinced to not say certain things, they could at that point even like even less than they would have before uh, have real conversations with most people in the world, let alone in their own areas and cities. So, so you're 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 speaking to the to the idea that once people learn PC jargon they become like aliens to the to society as a whole. Yeah, and I'm avoiding I'm avoiding this, those specific terms for for a reason. So I think that is a way uh, that is a more uh, palatable way to say what I'm saying. Yes, but No, say it more say it less palatably. I I I, I'm I don't to get want to. I don't think that lends favor towards the ideas that I'm trying to get across. They are complicated, they are nuanced, and I don't think that it makes any well, sense to reduce it that that far. Okay, so so well I don't want to say, for example, that like collegiate white people can't talk to the lower class. I don't like. I'm not into that discussion. That's not my discussion. No, I, I, I I agree. But so so one of the traditions that we're sort of talking around that I that I do think is like I want to think about a way to talk about it in a different voice. And, and follow me if you can. <clears throat> Especially in the '80s, this was the case. They were uh, around the publishing house of panics. <laughs> So Lumpanics, if you didn't know, was sort of a libertarian publishing house. They published a lot of material about how to make drugs, DIY drug making, <clears throat> and a lot of stuff about guns. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so the, the main editor person died, and those books have sort of dispersed. But there's a couple publishing houses that have picked up the torch to a little extent. Fair House would be one of them. They're, they published John Zerzan's books. Um, and then there's a, a new one on the East Coast that... Um, whatever, we can talk about another time why they're interesting, but for us part of that stream of thought was how we heard about Satanism <laughs> right, the reason why Satanism is available for sort of any kid to sort of pick up yeah. is because of the, the this current in the 80s do um, you know who Boyd Rice is? No. Boyd Rice is he's a super sketchball character um, mm-hmm. uh, he had a book uh, the, so research was another publisher that published this sort of things. They published a book called Pranks that a lot of our people have played around with. They also published that book about piercing. The first book about piercing in the U.S. was, was by uh, research. So, Boyd Rice was published by that particular press. I, I, I follow. Yeah. So, the next step, the step that's closer to us, who was published by Lone directly, is Bob Black. Right. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, I'd love to hear your thoughts about the controversy that I've been involved with with Bob. But, but the pointed thing is, Bob represented a not polite engagement with something like free speech, but with this political intention that was like hostile, like, like arguably he created troll culture as we understand it today he was like an innovator in troll culture um, and he was also an innovator in like asocial anarchist thinking whether he meant to be or not right 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 I mean like he he's always very you know he was he's always was always a very vain person who really wanted people to personally like him but but he did have so so the best thing I will say about Bob and obviously I'm hostile t- towards Bob right now but is that somewhere in there he was trying to get at I think the same point that you're trying to make, which is you know which obviously you and I have been influenced by Bob, um, is this idea that like something like truth is more important than the bullshit that people say claiming to be saying truth, and I, I guess like 
where do you think his analysis sort of faltered, and and where do you like where where would you see a, a more current one t- going from there? And if if you all have anything to say about the, like, I would love to to hear your thoughts. That's so tough. Where his analysis faltered, I don't think. I mean, did it falter on him as a person oh, yeah. that he was like the wrong that's... messenger? I mean, I, I, th- I think that's a fucked up thing to say, but like. That's as close as I would get, maybe. Not not my words, but I don't... I say fucked up things all the time. Well, sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel trapped by the question. I don't think I don't think his analysis faltered, and I think... You agree. Uh, <laughs> what, what, because it's so short? What do you mean I agree? With what? He said a thousand fucking things. I don't agree. I mean, but to the extent to which we could name a project... I don't want to grant that extent. Um, like to me, it's like he says a lot of shit I agree with and a lot of shit I don't. Mm-hmm. Like there's no there's no cohesive project where I'm like fuck yeah this and that would make me you know be like hashtag Team Bob Black or something. <laughs> it's not my shit. <laughs> and is that because you uh, you don't enjoy defending positions or because like or because you're like too postmodern or something? <laughs> In other words, like are you a, are you a post left anarchist? Uh. I don't. I don't think I have a particular uh, enough lean to identify with either of those sorts of things, which is what those sorts of things would suggest that I identify with. So that's the trick, you know. I, I don't get it. Uh, well, I mean, like, like, are you saying you're not into labels, dude? <laughs> I'm totally not into labels, dude. Yeah. Yeah. No, like, that, that, I, I think that makes you very uh, special snowflake. No, I'm. I'm definitely unique. <laughs> Yeah. Little, it's a little. It's, it's I'd a even little, go to so far as you're very unique. I'm, I'm I, you know, it's a little queer what I'm saying. <laughs> you wish, <laughs> but yeah, no, like that. That's uh, I, no, I don't. I don't like talking about what I am, um, and it is yeah. post left anarchism mm-hmm. and that sort of current. Uh, I think that m- most readily. As, in as much as it could embodies that. Sure. So, so, so since you were more politically expressive, because I, I agree with you that, like, if I, if, you know, I've known you vaguely for ten years, basically, right? but I've you know, known you personally for more like five, and I would say for for the bulk of that five years, you become less talking about anarchist topics to anarchists, and you become more doing music. Right, which I have no judgment, even though it's hard because I, I wish you were more of an ally in some of these fights, <laughs> but. Um, uh, but I, I would. I'm curious as to your thoughts because I assume you've had some thoughts about this. In that five years, egoism has become a much bigger and sort of more, co- more coherent body of people that, that aren't you around. And I'm, I'm curious as to for you as an outsider to that, how has that been? That experience of seeing more and more people express those sort of ideas. Obviously, I'm sure we have some common friends who talk to you about particular books and all the rest. I'm, yeah. Uh, well, I'm sure. <laughs> I think my departure from direct engagement with those those sorts of things, as you outlined, uh, is a... Is that legal to carry? <laughs> it's in Arizona. 100% legal. Fuck! Any blade, dude. Have <laughs> really never been in Arizona before? Oh, you're talking about the... This one I thought he was talking about the gun, gun. that was yeah. Arizona is a bit different than California. They're they're all very a lot different. There are very few people in California who uh, 
share anything like an aesthetic of carrying personal uh, personal armaments with them. And just in the in the few moments, this is for the listening audience. Uh, someone's gun just fell out of their pocket, and another person walked in the room with basically half a machete. <laughs> We don't fuck around. <laughs> yeah, that's the point. Also, I like to add that I live here and I have it. I have a couple guns and a couple knives in this house. And this two of them like are Cal- in my purse. Wow. <laughs> not, not like California. Not at all. Fuck no. So, we're talking Let's, about e- egoism. Uh, <laughs> I think. One of the things that I experienced from being immersed in anarchist culture for so long was uh, a a disinclination towards adamant refusal of some of the ideas or postures or situations within that that milieu or or, or that like that culture. It was it was uh, almost too rare to hear people telling each other to telling each other to fuck off in a way that. Uh, from both ends, could you oh, go ahead? I actually don't exactly. So I, I use different words. Are you saying that you didn't like the fact that anarchism made you say mutual aid all the time? No, that's a bit simplified. I think actually something. Uh, one of the ways you have previously put it really resonated with me. Uh, the difference between friendship and politics. I think and uh, uh, the ease with which politics can be conflated with per- interpersonal. Uh, situations is is high, and uh, I think that's you know uh, an unfortunate thing. We should be able to not get along, and uh, a lot of a lot of yeah, that's, that's I a, haven't that's I, a huge mess right now. Not not right now. As far as as far back as even I can even read, there's been elements of that, yeah. and uh, I I honestly. Uh, and I haven't I haven't heard this said elsewhere, but I would attribute it to the efficacy of this of of this particular culture, like the North North American culture. Yeah. I think it was it was bred into it to uh, uh, one of the more silly ways that I like to you know use a concise example for is you have Mexican food and you have Taco Bell and you have the 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 burger and you have McDonald's and you have anarchism and you know, Mick Anarchy or whatever, and I think some of the uh, is like, like I said, that's a silly example, but mm-hmm. it's like that's just. So you think that basically the proselytized version of anarchism that you experience is is a Mick Anarchy? Absolutely, uh, yeah, definitely, and. Uh, but like, we started this talking about egoism, right? Well, I mean, like, uh, and my first response, which I think was cut off like three times, is my departure from that dialogue has a lot to do with that. My hesitancy towards uh, doing some sort of any anything that is worth the, the podium, like speaking of like revolutionary, you know, like sell, selling these ideas, we have to convince the proletariat and like the what? Like, I, we don't we don't know what that is. There's there, uh, you know, if I were to grant an anarchist dialogue in contemporary society right now, I don't think what was salvageable about it would be recognizable. Hmm. I don't think we would know what that is. Sure. Which is actually uh, something else I appreciated about your work was, uh, I can't remember the name of it now, but uh, when you said something like maybe the, the new the new radicalism looks more like planes flying into buildings. Right. I mean, and this is sort of why 
I've been very open to what the eco-extremists have to say, especially because they're critiquing anarchists from what I consider to be an anarchist position. I mean, this is one of the things I love about the SI, right? The SI also critiqued anarchists from an anarchist position, and the fact that like a lot of the people who defend anarchism against the eco-extremists say the exact same thing that I'm sure was said in the late 60s, which is that, is that you know, if you, if you come inside, we can hear your criticisms or something. And I, and I, you know, even though as a political expression, I've always sort of said that I think that the word is important, I don't think that the movement is important. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's, that's right up the alley of what I'm trying to say, definitely. Uh, like, people... People like those who would represent the ITS, the individualist tension towards the wild, or however you want to translate that, or or whatever. You know, I'm kind of a goofball, so I'm going to say, you know, like I hoot and hollered when they bombed Greenpeace. Right. And, sure. uh, but but yeah. the, it's not actually that I'm like, oh yeah, that's enjoyable. Sure. No, no one thinks that that's a political strategy. <laughs> right. And the, but that's that's exactly it. You know, their follow up com- communique about that basically said like it, it retracted their position, which I was a little bothered by. But the fact that the retraction was like, you know. Maybe that wasn't the best idea to bomb Greenpeace. It was like, wow, that's the level of discourse that you guys have have achieved. Like, you really actually hate the social apparatus that is dominating and, like, literally controlling the world. And, like, that's, like, I don't know. Like like I said, this doesn't lend towards an advocation or a formula. But I I think... Uh, something I experienced in my in my involvement <laughs> while well, being investigated for the FBI for the course of two years, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you you really like I really kind of learned my place in the scheme of things in a way that is different than a lot of people that I speak to, including other people mm-hmm. who have been through legal processes. And uh, I used to joke around when I got my first subpoena when it said uh, the United States versus. Me and I said that's funny. I always thought it was the other way around, <laughs> you know. And so, like things like that. And uh, you know, my federal defender happened to be an anarchist as well. The argument they used to the judge was that the federal government came at a came at a to swat a fly with a tank. And uh, I thought about that as somebody who had destroyed more shit than I can recollect, and like been a part of like. <coughs> You know, headlines in newspapers and on actual televised news. They've g- like gave five minute time slots to what me and my pals had to say at the time, and uh, to swat a fly with a tank. To think of myself as a fly versus a tank, I think was actually really revelatory. <coughs> and uh, like to me, it like well, what's the conclusion there? Is like well, if if you zoom out a little bit, just to like a tiny bit, if you even just sit on a mountain for a minute, uh, you know, speaking of people who are into ecology, sit on a mountain for a minute, and you look down at the city, and you count one floor of one building, and another floor of one building, and another floor of one building, and you look, wait, there's another building, and you start counting these floors, and you start counting these people in room after room, and floor after floor, cityscape after cityscape, and you broaden out to not just that city, but the multiple cities in your state, and then state by state, and you start zooming out a little further and a little further, and you realize you're a fucking fly. And if you want to confront this in any sort of meaningful way, and by this I mean the most destructive and uh, armed, potent force in the history of mankind, 
if you're a fly, you're gonna need some tanks. And that's like that's you know as it, like particularly the building illustration. Uh, also, I think back to uh, when I had my first visit with a federal probation officer. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll skip a few of the details and say they took me to you know like third or whatever floor, and uh, they 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 the probation officer put me in an all white room and he asked me one on one I'm alone with this motherfucker and he says are you a bleeder and i was like what and he was like are you a bleeder do you bleed i was like i don't know what you're talking about so give me your finger gave him my finger and he put a note card in front of me it has nine squares he said i need you to squeeze some blood out onto these nine squares a good splotch each try and fill it up poked my finger and so i squeezed my finger and i put it on one square and he's like oh you really are a bleeder and I was just like, fuck. And I still, I'm filling up these nine squares with my blood, my actual thing that represents, like, my biology, the entirety of my humanity, like, personhood. There it is on a note card. And after it was finished, he takes this note card and he puts it in an envelope, seals this envelope after informing me that I'm a bleeder. And he <laughs> takes this envelope and he says, okay, this is, we're going to go ahead and ship this off now. And he puts it in one file in one file cabinet on this one floor of this one building. Mm-hmm. Along with hundreds of other cards. That's it. You know? And when I think about the, the 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 capacity it takes to even fathom being a revolutionary force to confront that sort of thing, it's dwarfing. And I don't think 99.9% repeating of people who claim revolutionary or anarchist politics have any sort of fucking clue what that actually entails. Right. I mean, what you're hitting here, and, and it's interesting that you react so much to, to when I do it, but but I, I spend a lot of time framing, right? Framing conversations that, so that we're getting to a precise point that I want to talk about rather than, you know, because obviously we, sh- we share the value that the broader anarchist conversation is a stupid framing, right? And, and, and largely part of that is because that framing pretends like we're at the table of power and that, and that, and that we're somehow... That there's even a stake in it. Yeah, that that we even have a stake in it, and and especially like uh, so. Here's a little story: the day after the inauguration, we had this young person who came to the compound, or as uh, as we call it, the bolo, and um, and they came to the compound and they and they basically wanted to share with me, right? And I'm a pretty public person around these topics about how we fucking won yesterday. We disrupted the inauguration, <laughs> and I mean, this person was so f- committed to to, tell, to sharing this enthusiasm with me. They actually got me angry, and I tend to not get angry. <laughs> I like I was like spitting bullets after uh, about 10, 15 minutes of this because I'm like, by what fucking definition of disruption did we disrupt shit? Was it was it a minute later than it was scheduled? Yeah, and they and they literally said. Well, if you looked at the pictures of the inauguration, there there weren't as many people there as anticipated, and we did that. We we basically stopped them at the at the barricades. They wanted to get in. They were clamoring to get in, and because of our activity, they didn't get in. Which which actually a friend of mine earlier today said 
that that position is literally the same position as Trump's <laughs> position, which is sort of sort of humorous. But but it does speak to this sort of triumphalist idea that that I think only can exist in the anarchist imagination. As much as I love anarchists, it, this idea that that perhaps like like if the news cameras have something to look look to, then we somehow won. And and that's a hard like the main way in which I see people move past that mythology is if they get dinged themselves. In other words, they 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 feel their mortality in the in the. Uh, I wish I don't know. I think that's even giving too much credit. Hmm. I don't think most people that endure those experiences relate to it in that way at all. Like you know, being a person who was in, like under a federal investigation for two years, I endured five separate people, some of whom were friends with dreadlocks and anarchy tattoos that wore wires on me. Like that's five, five people. Fucking five. Yeah, you know, that and is like wild. that's that's you that's, are you are the edge case. <laughs> <laughs> Most um, people, it's just one. Yeah, I don't know. Do, do you know much about the Cleveland Four? Cleveland Four, no. So the Cleveland Four were people who were ba- it was the Occupy. Oh, okay, yeah. Period I checked out during that, yeah. and <laughs> and uh, and they they basically met a Fed in the camp, and they collaborated with the Fed to put bombs on a train track. And the the part of the story that I'm just going to tell today that is just so glorious is that um, so they they did the mission, the Fed of course supplied the the explosives and and all the rest, and they went five of them together to an Applebee's to push the button. <laughs> Applebee's, burn it down. <laughs> And, and sort of like there is one person in particular of the five and, and I, I don't know all their names that well but uh, uh, one of them is the one who grabbed the cell phone and hit the button which you know it's like it's like this incredible moment right where, where obviously we know how terribly embarrassing this whole thing oh, is because basically these four people have lost their lives to oh. the fucking state because of this whole dirty nasty machination but you have to give someone at that table <laughs> hit the fucking button, and and that's and and and, and this sort so of whole story tells why we are not capable of doing something something like the eco extremists in Mexico. It's like we push the button at an Applebee's, which, <laughs> which you imagine the feds popping out of the fucking blooming onions, right? And oh, and, it, and it just being so deeply embarrassing that basically these people have lost their life. But but that's existentially. They're the only ones who could who commit anything that even parallels sort of the story of the Mexicans. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say anything, but yeah, that uh, the thing is for me, I, I don't even I hesitate to share as much pessimism as you just demonstrated, <laughs> despite sure. my experience, yeah. uh, which you know a part of my experience includes. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a preface here to say that this this story I didn't know that it came from a movie, mm. so we'll you know continue from there. When I got apprehended by the FBI, I you know I thought it would be funny just to chat with him while I'm in the front seat of his fucking car, and I was just like, it's like, so was that you guys in the park the other day, like watching me? Because you know for two fucking years I thought I was being watched, and he was like, you know, that's the magic of it. That's the magic of the FBI. We are everywhere, and we're nowhere. And um, then, then I watched The Matrix, like, <laughs> like five years later, and it turns out he totally just stole the line right out the fucking movie. 
which which is both like hilarious and suiting, and like you know you know what he deserved it. He deserves that because that you know he was right. I didn't know. I didn't fucking know. And I'm lucky that I can trust anybody in my sure. life sure. after not having the capacity to figure out what the fuck kind of that kind of shit is going on. Yeah. Um, I do, I do want to just mention another ITS story just because the thing that I actually been taking away from the ITS myself is that I think the thing that they have working for them that we don't have in the US is I think that they actually have a sense of humor like a lot of the things like you talk about the Greenpeace thing like to, 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 to bomb Greenpeace which I, it was a minor sort of attack but like that's I mean that is knee slappingly funny <laughs> so and the, and the other thing that they did and they did two attacks like this they attacked a children's hospital twice Jesus fucking shit and, and like one of the attacks had something to do with like a fundraising drive where they like either called in a bomb threat or like did something sort of like adolescent and hysterical to a children's hospital bomb you know to, to, uh, and then the other thing that they did was they basically they did set off a bomb in a children's hospital but it like it was nothing but um, wheelchairs and fake and like broke and fake limbs <laughs> Right, so, so you know, obviously, like, you can write that communicate two ways, right? You can either write it as, like, we're hostile to fucking organic life, right? And seven billion, we draw the line at seven billion, right? And, and the other way you can sort of say is, like, we want to attack class society, right? And upper class society is, is healing their children while, while most of Mexican children or most of their, you know, like... Yeah. Anyways, I, I, I really... I, I it's sort a of, good joke. It's some, good. some really good jokes. <laughs> <laughs> some people have a darker sense of humor than others. Fair enough. I see you. Get it? I see you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's stupid. Wow. That is so the, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's interesting because one of the projects we had a long time ago was, was we wanted to interview, and what we were hoping for was to hear stories that were different. Like, a lot of the stories of ex-anarchists or even ex-punks is something about kids and family and, and the future and, right, and right. the future doesn't lie here so therefore it lies somewhere else and and that version of reality changed a little bit in the past 10 to 15 years because as as your generation is trying to get jobs and I mean like like one of the things about Arizona that blows my mind is everybody even the people who are nearly my age everyone has a shit job here no one has a future here in the way that like in the bay area right the the bubble the bubble economy is like outrageous there right you know we're we're there are many anarchists making a hundred thousand dollars a year in the bay area <laughs> whereas obviously here i believe that there are some anarchists making twenty thousand dollars a year right and and those are the ones who are employed, you know. You know? Yeah. And and so, so I haven't me, made a thousand dollars in a year in at least ten years. Right. Well, I mean, I mean, <laughs> that's actually a, a related topic, right? Which is the idea of how do people survive with with uh, felonies, right? I mean, you, you have a special felony, but but like yeah. anyone with a felony has the kind of problems that you have. And uh, anyways, I, I I mostly mention that just to, to just to sort of say that. Um, Ah, fuck, I've sort of lost my train of thought because there are so many interesting <laughs> side traps to that. But maybe, maybe you have something to say. Uh, let's see, how you were. When you said there's plenty of anarchists in the Bay making up $100,000 a year. <laughs> well, many of them are also paying $3,000 a month for rent. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
it's hard for me not to let the laughter speak for that. <laughs> like, I can't relate in any sort of right. capacity. Right. <laughs> like, I don't know, nothing against him at all. Anybody I, I, in that. I live in Arizona in a house that's overpriced for a thousand dollars. Yeah, right. <laughs> but true. But I mean, I mean, most of the country right now is having this intense. Like, if you live in a city, you're paying outrageous amounts for rent. Yeah. This place is a little unusual mm-hmm. in that. In that. You know, you see, like, restaurants and stuff take up more space than they absolutely need at all just because they can. You know, like, like, like what would be here if the city wasn't here? Not necessarily people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, and that's a huge difference. But, but I, I guess I, what I was trying to drive at was a totally different point than all of this. Uh, and, and, and so I'm losing my way. So I apologize. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's too loose and just interrupt me and mm-hmm. move on if you recall where you were at. But, uh, when it comes to the like high rent and low paying jobs situations, uh, just situation even even nationally speaking, not just regionally, uh, it seems pretty glaringly basic uh, that the property laws here lend towards squatting and uh, appropriation of 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 buildings and places. Uh, it, it, just as much as they do in the the European countries, where that kind of thing is more prominent and even like ends up more established and mm-hmm. and hospitable for the lower classes. I don't know uh, if that's true. I I think it's. I definitely think it's true. I think well, it's. I think but it's. The, but the, so like obviously the circumstances are such that that would that that seems like it could be true. But the people here have internalized property values. To oh, if extent. you're talking about the people here, sure. I, I'm specifically okay. talking towards the law. The problem is that the people here are too afraid to yes. lose their fucking scholarship sure. for a trespassing charge. Yeah. That's the fucking problem here. Yeah. We could, like, wow, you got me saying we. That's fucked up. <laughs> anyway, people who were so inclined could easily have uh, put their their life's effort while making, like, whatever, a living or whatever, and maintaining the, themselves and their projects while taking over spaces. I think I think that would be absolutely as like easy, and actually, I think one of the most important things that American anarchism could. So you're prosper. talking you're talking about social, like some, for lack of better language, you're talking about the fact that there are social activity actions that could happen that could that are that are feasible, and and the problem with that, right? Again, I experience Arizona as a very law and order sort of place where where property values are way more internalized than I've seen in other places in parts of the country where there isn't a history of sort of union movements where people experience their grandma and their brother gotcha. standing up against yeah, yeah. against unjust authority. Where do you see any sort of echoes from the past of that sort of social thinking that could that could squat a building? Uh, in Arizona yeah. in particular? Yeah. Well, I lived uh, for a brief amount of time at a squat that lasted here. It was a house. It was called the mansion mm-hmm. for a reason. It wasn't an actual mansion, but it was a huge fucking house. And I lived there for a brief amount of time, but it lasted here for two years. Mm-hmm. And I would have continued to last if we weren't throwing rowdy ass, crazy fucking punk shows by the end, mm-hmm. uh, which eventually got the cops called. I ended up on the news getting arrested. Uh, <laughs> I you know. vaguely recall that. Yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, it was operation safe summer sub operation, <laughs> Operation Punk Star. 
no joke, mm-hmm. the fucking police mm-hmm. running the operation called it Operation Punk Star because they knew it was a punk show. And they put us on our knees. They arre- you know they arrested us. Nobody but, got charged for trespassing or squatting. Okay, that's interesting. Why do you think that's a, what's the, what was the condition of the person that actually owned the property? Were they out of the country or something? Never heard from them ever. Did, nobody not, ever did the research on not, who they were? Well, it was an off-market property that was occasionally allegedly put to auction, which a housing auction in the United so States it means, So it was owned by a bank and, and shell com- the, the infinite shell companies of, of banks. And so there wasn't a, a human owner that was just... Robot. Absolutely. And there was never, not even with the busting of the place, there was never a discrepancy about that. In fact, the end of the mansion was not a legality issue technically. It was a police prominence issue where they they devoted to regularly visiting the property to kick us out on the neighbor's behalf, which was not the owner's behalf. And that's just one example for two years in a random area of town in in this city. This could happen everywhere, anywhere, at any given time. well, but 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 you mentioned actually something as a subtext, but I think that is incredibly important. And this is sort of that as a former punk, <laughs> I I'm, I Twitter. I, I, miss, <laughs> I mean, you know, the thing I miss about punk is that punk has the capacity to do this in a way that basically anarchists or political people don't. In other words, there's something ballsier that that sort of says fuck the consequences from that punks say that political people by and large don't. Absolutely. And 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 I mean I give I give it up to punk in this way. The problem is is as we know that bravado that that thing has has a couple complications, right? One's a class complication and one's a sort of like stupidity complication or something. Yeah, like. no. In other words a lot of punks grow up and they grow out of that zazz and then the other thing is a lot of those kids they get burned once they're done. Yeah. Uh the yeah, no, actually, the thing is, the, the situation I was talking about evades both of those illustrations, oh. which was, was like, it was... But that's magic, though. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, no, I wasn't saying that in a positive way. It was so fucking punk that that's what killed it. Like, it was like, you know, this show is too loud. I know, but squats, I mean, like, in North America, squats almost always have that this problem, right? Which is that... No, I disagree. That's the thing, is uh, what I, what, something I take as a, mo- a mockery of... Or radical politics, even as it comes to squatting in the in the North American m- milieu, is that uh, squatting is happening all the time, and it's actually by the lower classes who are getting evicted. And like, there are tons of neighborhoods where I can walk around and point to houses like that's being squatted. And it's not by some mm-hmm. punk ass motherfucker, some anarchist, or some radical. It's about some. Person who actually just needs a place to live, and they throw some shit in the building, and they actually steal the power, and they just go for it, and then they get their shit kicked to the curb, and they're like, "Well, what's next?" Mm-hmm. And like, what's funny is I don't even think punk, like as you, as you were so so much praising a moment ago, I don't even think most punk has the bite of well, the actual lower I mean, classes squatting. I, mean, I was a punk thirty years ago. Well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm just saying it was it was different then, right? But the, 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 it wasn't so the the line between punks and middle class kids who wanted to be hanging out with punks was a lot more clear in the 80s than it was. Okay, I guess I guess I can see that. Yeah, that line's not clear. Yeah, no, that, that definitely makes sense. Yeah, in, that, in fact, what I'm talking about is it, it is beyond that. Like I, I said, the lower classes right. are where you look at the examples of squatting, which, like, for example, in Arizona, there was, a, a, you know, a group I will let remain 
nameless in this at, at this juncture, but uh, that was putting on an anti-capitalist conference oh. <laughs> for five hundred dollars to rent out a building for one day <laughs> to do things like have a workshop on mm. uh, self-defense against writing, where they all locked arms and they had a little push against oh. each other, and it was oh. the most precious thing. I, you know, like like five hundred dollars in a night. Motherfucker, you could have done that in the park, first of all. And then, like, the, like actual fucking homeless people, you know, put, like, they're just like, I'm good, I, uh, this is my house now. And, you know, and that's not even, that's not even on the fucking table for people putting on anti-capitalist conferences. That's not even on the fucking table. Where's our event going to happen? The Anarchist Book Fair in the Bay. And they're talking about... <laughs> <laughs> this is the sound of the person I'm talking to trying to curb their tongue. <laughs> I've uh, officially been talking long enough with them that the, 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 uh, that the condom slipped off. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I almost fucked up. That was a bad one. Uh, <laughs> you caught him in rare form tonight. <laughs> anyway, these conferences and book fairs and things like that, it's like, rent, no, it's like it, to me it seems in as much as I can lend any credence to a concept like fundamental, which took for me is a hesitancy, seems fundamental that if you want to do some shit like have have like an anti-capitalist or an anarchist conference, you just take the space and do it. You know, don't set it up and and you know pay for it and all of that <laughs> sort of nonsense. You just fucking go, just fucking go. And I I just think that this 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 culture has mastered the the indoctrination of how like you're actually putting your livelihood on the line to do anything of significance oh, yeah. that deviates from the you know the imposed norms to where it's not like it it's you just know I, I can't I can't just take things I can't you know and it's like <laughs> the imposition is the fundamental as opposed to we should now, bend this I know that you organize uh, uh, oh. pirate punk shows and you're basically just being c- consistent on a position. Do you go to shows that pay rent? Uh, y- sure. Yeah, why wouldn't I? And you'd go to a conference also that paid the bills. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I so, wouldn't spend a dollar on either. Uh, that's because you're a true pirate. <laughs> <laughs> a renegade. <laughs> I'm an enemy of society. Yes. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> that to me or to him? To him. Oh. <laughs> Because I'm open. I'm, I'm open to hearing what you have to say. Sure. The, well, the thing is, that, that rant wasn't in opposition to paying rent for spaces or anything like that. Like, fuck it. Do that, too. Mm-hmm. But, like, the fact that it's so far removed from the, like, the baseline is how do we... How could we do this for free? Is not the first question. Absolutely not. And it, but like, you, you know why. Uh, it, it, it has I to do say, with audience. Who are you talking to? I mean... In other words, like a lot of what it is that you've just said, you you said the subtext of what you said is, and the people I'm speaking to are basically punks. No, no. Let me say say one one sentence further, which is to say that the audience that they're speaking to are p- professional radicals. <laughs> well, Uh-oh. you know, I couldn't have been more insulting myself. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I mean, or you know, so oftentimes self internalized or something. Yeah, well, you know, we're back to we're back to the the Mick Anarchy illustration. Dude, the bass sounds That's like it. it fucking sucks. That's not. Just- <laughs> 
That's not just the bay. That happened here, too. Actually, oh, yeah. thanks to y'all. It was actually Bay's influence that came over here. Yes. <laughs> well, one of the rare cases where we got to export some of the trash rather oh, than uh, just have to deal with it ourselves. How dare you? But, mm. but thank you very much for having this conversation with me. It was a lot of fun. I, I'm, I'm glad we did it this long because obviously it took a little while for you to actually say something interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much.